In this episode of the Job Hunting Podcast, I will be diving into a treasure trove of great questions that were sent to me by amazing listeners like you. Maybe you sent me a question. And if you're looking for a career change or you're looking for a new job or you're just curious, then stick around. This episode will be packed with invaluable advice and insights to enhance your job search. I'm Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. Hello again. I will delve into the world of job hunting as viewed by the job seekers. You know, people like you who are interested in getting a new job have sent me questions and I have collated them into this Google document. And frankly, it's been sitting here for quite some time. I should have recorded this episode a long time ago. Funny thing about questions that are sent by listeners, they're often very similar, but there's a mix. So I added some of them that are kind of universal and classic, and people will always ask me these questions. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. Maybe you have them in mind. So there's a bit of that. And then there are other questions that I think are more trendy and new, and they have to do with, you know, the new ways of job searching, post-pandemic job searching, things that are challenging and roadblocking people because they're so different from job searching, you know, back in 2019 and years past. So if you have been following for a while, you know this, I'm not a cookie cutter coach and my goal is to go beyond the traditional job search techniques that you may read about anywhere else. Just Google them. You will find them. My goal here is to really value your time. I mean, you're spending time here with me. So many of you. Thank you so much. If you're new, remember to subscribe and sign up for my newsletter because then you will always get new episodes from me directly into your inbox. But I do explore unconventional approaches, things that I borrow from positive psychology, from linguistics, from social sciences, managerial research, leadership research, and I bring them to the job hunting world and I hopefully make things a little bit more innovative and interesting by creating these job hunting methods that you can use and that will give you a competitive advantage in today's very vanilla job market of everybody trying to do exactly the same thing so it's safe. But honestly, ask any recruiter, they will tell you it's not a good strategy. It's counterintuitive, I know that, but ideally you want to be standing out, you want to be unique and identifying a sweet spot in your career that you can really dive into and offer the best possible value for your future employers. So from things like leveraging social media to building a personal brand to using technology, I like to cover a wide range of topics that will hopefully empower you to navigate this job hunting landscape with a bit more ease and more confidence as well. 
So I hope this inspires you and motivates you to continue to equip yourself with interesting tools and strategies and knowledge to build your career, advance your career, or make your career more sustainable over time. I think it's, you know, like I always say, it's a a marathon, but it's also a sprint with job searching. You are looking for a new job, but you're also expanding your horizons, making yourself known to employers and recruiters so that when they need you, which may not be when you need them, they will come back to you. You know, I've had this conversation twice, twice today. So I I have these conversations with clients all the time to remind them that job searching should not be reactive. You know, look at a job, advertise online, decide to apply. That's reactive. If you're proactive with your job search, it's they're happening even when you are sleeping, even when you're not paying attention. That's when you know things are really working to advance your career because people are thinking of you, talking about you, contacting you, messaging you with opportunities. And that's what I like to do for my clients. And I want you to get a little bit of taste of that or at least educate you that that can happen so that you can work in a DIY way or you can work with a coach like myself and advance your career in a more accelerated way so you don't get stuck learning things that others have already advanced and improved in their job searching tool set. So I want you to also take into account, I've never said this disclaimer in a podcast before, but I think it's probably about time that, you know, I add a disclaimer here that, of course, this is not coaching, right? If you want me to coach you, go to my website and see all my services, sign up, and you will get tailored coaching appropriate to your situation. This is a chit chat. This is a conversation. And the purpose of this is to educate you and to raise awareness for the wonderful things that you can do for your career that are under your control. A lot of things are not under your control. (laughs) So, you know, economic factors, environmental factors, companies restructuring, merging, demerging, all of those things, I, I know they're not under your control, but there are a few things that are really under your control and that can make a huge difference in the long term of your career, your ability to earn more and be more successful, whatever success means to you. So this is information that is provided really for educational purposes and it's up to you to then adapt it to your personal circumstances using your intuition and your knowledge of the country you work in, the sector, the industry and so forth. So I have clients all over the world. So I know how interesting it is to work with clients in different countries. And I want you to acknowledge that because there's just so much that I can educate you on when I'm talking in such general terms. Okay, enough about that. Let's go into the fun stuff. (laughs) Look, I have to be honest with you. I have the questions written here and I didn't write an answer to them. So this is going to be super conversational and casual, which is how I like it. I haven't done an episode like this in a while. I don't know if you noticed this or not when I'm reading from notes and when I'm actually just, you know, chit-chatting and it's different and I like chit-chatting. So that's how it's going to be. So it may not be perfect, but it's going to be very real. Let me drink my tea. Mm. I'm drinking fennel and mint tea. What do you think about that? 
definitely not coffee. <laughs> but it's 6.46 p.m. here and it's kind of late for me, but it's the best time to record episodes because it's so quiet. And the only thing that you may hear in the background is my neighbor's dog barking from time to time. He's very polite. From time to time, he barks and I'm pet sitting. So I'm dog sitting for my neighbor's dog and he's adorable. It will be very hard to give him back when they return from their trip. But yeah, it's the charm. I'm not going to edit it out. It's charming to have a little bit of background noise. That's how I see it. You know, this is not a fancy podcast. I don't listen to any fancy podcasts. So I hope you will excuse the, you know, kind of homey feel that I have here in the job hunting podcast. So the first question that I have here from one of the listeners is this. Shouldn't you wait at your present job at least one year before starting to look? or it might not look good on your resume to keep moving? This is such an important question. So many of you, so many professionals worry about moving too much. The thing that I have found as a career coach working with different professionals is this, there will always be something that is your pet peeve, something that you're really annoyed about in your career. And look, maybe it's that you've moved around too much. What will people think? On the other hand, it could be you've stayed for too long in an organization. What will people think? Or you're too old, you know, are, is there ageism? You're too young. Nobody's giving you a chance and everything in between. Like you have no idea. Like there's always something that will be your weakness in your SWOT analysis. Okay. That shouldn't stop you from having the confidence and the grit and the persistence to move on and prove yourself. The most important thing for a job seeker to have as they present themselves to the job market, to recruiters and potential employers, is confidence in their own knowledge, their ability to do the job that they are interested in. Because what they need to do is to trust you and like you enough to hire you vis-a-vis -vis other candidates that will be well qualified as well right? You need to respect your competition and know that there will be other people competing for roles that will be well qualified. But I have clients right now, as I speak, who have moved around quite a lot recently, mainly due to COVID, right? They have lost their jobs during the pandemic. They've accepted jobs that they didn't like or were too far away. And then when employers asked them to come back to the office, they were like four hours away from the office or in another country altogether. And, you know, it means that since 2020, they may have had three jobs. And we're now in 2023. I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but it's only been three years. So that has really, since the pandemic especially, hasn't been a big deal. It's more of a big deal in your mind than it is in the recruiter's mind. I work with candidates, with my clients, to make sure that their narrative, the language that they're using, is as crystal clear and pitch, I wouldn't say pitch perfect, you know, crystal clear and well delivered to showcase their knowledge of the market and explain why they moved, if that is a question that is asked. If it's not asked, don't even go there. There is no need. This could be probably more in your head than anywhere else. Now, if you are in a job 
and you don't like it and you feel like you need to stay there so that, you know, it, it's a year and then you move on. I once had a recruiter in my personal career. I had a recruiter contact me within four months of being in a job. And she said, look, I'm contacting you because I have an interesting role and I thought of you. And I'm like, well, but I just started here. You know, it's only been four months. I've just made my probation. And she said, look, I always, you know, contact candidates, even when they have just candidates that I think are a good fit for the role, even when they just started. Because if after a few months you feel you don't gel well with the organization, that's a good time to move. Right. So I think that this was a great message for me that I need to stop worrying. I needed at the time to stop worrying about what other people thought and just look out for myself. So with that said, today I posted a post on LinkedIn and in other social media platforms saying, don't just leave your job if you don't have another job, unless, of course, there's like a major issue, in which case you should contact HR immediately and you should make sure that, you know, you don't just resign, but you go on a leave and that they continue to pay you if there's like a big issue, harassment or anything like that happening at work. Other than that, ideally, you want to keep your job bubbling along so that you have your finances done well and in check. And, you know, if you're not completely burnt out and have, you know, health issues or mental health issues, there is really a benefit of staying put and staying at your current job and continuing to look outwardly to move to another role. So you can tell I really didn't prepare for this role because I'm just going, I'm waffling along. But I think there's a lot there for you to consider. I know there are lots of you that have accepted roles during this pandemic that you don't love. And it may even be roles that you feel are underpaying you and all of that. So, yeah, think about not having to wait. You know, some people are very conservative. They think they have to wait two or three years. You don't. Okay, nobody's worrying about that anymore. You can start looking out and move on. Okay, let's look at the next question. I have been working on contract for the past few years. Given that my last permanent opportunity was not a good experience for me, I am now fearful of my new job never working out. So again, I guess this question relates to the first one, the fact that there has been this sort of trend to move from permanent roles to one-year contracts, six-month contracts. And if this person is going from contract to contract and is really hoping to one day go back to having a permanent role, she may be feeling like she's moving further and further away from that permanent opportunity because she's taking so many contracts. Look, there is a trend in the job market moving away from permanent positions and for more contract roles and short-term opportunities or casual or part-time opportunities, right? We have had recruiters come to the podcast as guests to speak about this. I will link some of those episodes below. These were episodes from recruiters in the US, in Australia, and, you know, people that work globally. 
And it's a trend. You know, the portfolio career or the gig economy more broadly is happening. And we may need to think about what our work will look like in the future and how we're going to adapt and build maybe a portfolio of opportunities to fill that salary that we believe we need to earn to sustain our lifestyle that that we want to have. So, for example, right now, I have a client who has a contract to work with a very interesting organization once a week. And she's got today two job offers, one that will fill in the other four days and another one that's more kind of, you know, another 10 hours a month kind of opportunity. So she would have to add that and maybe get another one to kind of fill in the entire sort of salary range that she's hoping to get. Now, this may sound very difficult, but it's actually a really interesting opportunity for professionals because let's say she ends up with three employers. If one of these employers says, ciao, goodbye, we don't want you anymore, she won't lose all of her revenue, her salaries. She will still have two other salaries to count on, right? So what looks like a really weird way of operating is actually a quite safe way of operating if you are up to it because you need to be well connected, willing to network, listening to word of mouth and being open to opportunities to talk to organizations and people that may want to hire you like that. And it's happening a lot. It's happening to people that have legal backgrounds, tech backgrounds, finance backgrounds. Basically, everybody really can do this type of work or this type of lifestyle. So maybe it's more of a matter of reconsidering what the future will be like for your profession and see if this is the market telling you that it's moving in that direction for you. And it might be interesting for you to maybe use a weekend to sit down and have a good chat to yourself or, you know, if you have a partner or, you know, friends to brainstorm ideas of how you can actually continue to work in the next decade ahead. Of course, working with a career coach makes this process much easier and more strategic. And, you know, there's a roadmap for that that we follow with professionals that work with me, for example. I hope that helps. I know that's not the answer that this person wants to hear, but that may be, you know, a good way of thinking about it as well. Now, this third question is really interesting, and it's something that people don't realize they need to do until, boom, it happens. <laughs> and it's the fact that technology now is such a big part of job hunting. So this person is asking, I haven't needed to use technology a lot for the work that I do, and I worry about not being able to troubleshoot tech during an interview and losing out on an opportunity. I get it. A hundred percent, I get it. Before I started career coaching, so back in 2018 and before, I had the best teams working for me and with me. 
I never needed to go too far before asking for help. You know, I was the sort of, I've had an EA since like 2000 and when? 2008, eight, nine. So when I went to 2023, so when I started my own business, I kept calling my last EA, Chris. Like every other day, I was so embarrassed. I kept paying her lunches and inviting her for things because I couldn't do things. I didn't know how to do anything. You know, I had a, an overarching idea, but I would always delegate and ask people to do things for me. Just yesterday, I went to a meeting and somebody was telling me they work at Salesforce. And I was like, oh, I really remember the good old times when I would ask Salesforce to just, you know, jot down all the things that I needed to do because <laughs> I was implementing Salesforce in the place that I used to work. And it was just like that. Like I would just ask people to do stuff for me. And that happens a lot to more senior professionals or any professional that doesn't actually need to, in this case, use technology very often to do their jobs, right? And then you find yourselves without a job and looking for work. And the first thing that, you know, the recruiter asks you to do is to record a video of yourself answering some questions and send it to them. How scary is that? <laughs> Talking straight to camera, like what I'm doing now, I'm not looking at anybody, I'm looking at a camera. It's awkward, you know, It's and it took me a while to get used to it. And if you, you don't think it's weird, just go to my first few recorded episodes on my YouTube channel and you will see they're still there. And I, you know, I will never take them out. I think I'll always have them there because I want people to see the struggle, <laughs> the beginning and how hard it is. And even now, like it's never perfect. I'm never too fussed about it because I'm a career coach and not actually looking for work. I'm not going to dress up with a business suit to work from home. If you're seeing this on YouTube, you will know that I'm wearing a very casual outfit. And I mean, I'm well dressed, but it's not like, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to wear a suit to work from home. It's just weird. But when you're job hunting, you don't really know how to use technology and operate in that environment of working from home, presenting yourself to recruiters and employers. What do you do? And I totally get it. The other thing that's really important is understanding how to operate your microphones and your cameras as you log into Teams or you log into Zoom or Skype or whatever it is that they're using to interview you online and making sure that you know how to navigate these things. And the best thing to know how to do these things is to prep for it. Don't wait until the interview time. So go in and out of Teams and Zoom over and over again and manipulate everything, test every button, you know, record yourself, watch yourself doing it. The other thing that really troubles people is when they have to do presentations on Zoom or any other medium online. And I think, you know, I've recorded several episodes about the importance of setting yourself up well at home and having a proper office and having at least, at least two screens, especially if you're doing a presentation. And presentations are 
you know, an important part of job interviewing at the tail end of a senior executive recruitment process, or even middle managers will most likely have a presentation as part of their interview process. So, you know, manipulating, it, you could be using PowerPoint or Canva or something else, but manipulating your notes and the slides, all of that can be challenging. And the best thing you can do is practice practice and practice. And I have had people that booked consultations with me to get those tips from me. How do you do it? Because they see me doing it when I run my master classes and they say to me, like, I need to do this for work. They're not even looking for work. And I've had two people, not recently, but when was it? Maybe end of last year, who booked time with me to get those tips on how to run those presentations or webinars online. And it is important and it can very well be part of a recruitment process. Okay, let's go to question four. Another challenge is when there is a rare occurrence of how to manage the situation when you have a bird in hand and another one or two in the bush. So what this person is saying is that they have a job offer, but they have maybe two other recruitment processes that are still on the way and they don't know what to do. I don't want to brag, but I, I love when clients of mine have that trouble. In fact, many of my clients have had the situation where they have two job offers. So right now I have a client with two job offers and one recruitment process at the tail end. We had several conversations over the past 24 hours on the phone to help her make a decision and also make sure she doesn't sort of upset any of the players in any of these recruitment processes because it's important for her personal brand to be in touch with all of them. And I have another client with a very firm job offer and another one that is very interesting and he may be able to take both, which I think is really interesting. So he texted me and I texted him back and I said, look, I think you can have the cake and eat it too. This is what you have to do, blah, blah, blah. The best thing that you can do is work with either a mentor or a coach because it's hard to navigate these things without burning bridges. And it's really important not to burn bridges because when you're job hunting, it's like I said, it's a perfect opportunity to run both the sprint and the marathon. You want to find the next job that's better, that's more interesting, that's better paid. All of that is really important for your next job. And I understand, but you also want to keep that network expanded and you want to keep people thinking about you and coming back to you maybe six months from now, maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now with another opportunity because that's how good recruiters work. And so what to say and how to navigate that is really important. Now, this specific question is saying you have one birding hand and another one or two in the bush. And it really depends how desperate you are and, and how important it is for you to get the job as fast as you can. And for many people, they really don't have a choice. I know personally, I have never had a choice in early in my career, I'd say up until, you know, my late 30s. I would always have to accept whatever came my way. I just couldn't. It couldn't be without a salary. So it's really, you know, whatever comes first, first in, best dressed, right? But 
that survival mode, which is justifiable when you are in the situation that I was in. And remember, I mean, if you don't know me, know this. I was a migrant. I was new to the country. I had two young children. I had a husband with a contract that was in a very unstable organization. You know, he worked for United Airlines. It was September 11, and then it was, you know, Chapter 11, and then a whole bunch of other issues that happened in that organization. So I couldn't afford, and I had to be in survival mode. But sometimes people are in survival mode when they don't need to be, when they can wait out, when they can be choosy. And it's so important for us to realize that, you know, we sometimes have that survival mode built in. It's part of our hardware. It's part of our the way we were brought up and, and how our brain works, but doesn't necessarily need to drive our lives and drive all of our decisions. So keep that in mind, but manage the risks in the best way that you can, you know, and give yourself permission to be a bit bold if you can afford to. If you have money in the bank or a safety net that can allow you to make those interesting transitions, because ultimately you may be preparing yourself for the next five, 10, 15, 20 years ahead. So it's not just this next job, it's where you're taking your career. Number five. What is a polite way to say I am unable to resign on the strength of a verbal offer? I think I received this question quite a while ago, but I really like it because I work with clients from all over the world. And I know that, you know, this question varies depending on where you are, right? So a verbal offer in some countries have more weight than in others. And I always, you know, love to discuss these things with my client when they're asking me for help. And then I go back to them and I say, tell me, tell me about your country. Tell me about how things operate in your country. So let's work together so that we can weave the best possible solution and strategy for you. Because my strategies are universal and applicable everywhere. But ideally, we want to build a unique strategy for you, for your current situation, your sector, your country, your company. So I would normally say you cannot resign on the strength of a verbal offer, right? Because it may impact your Medicare if you're in the US, for example. The offer may never eventuate. So you have to really play safe and wait for that contract to come your way before resigning. And this is an interesting situation because people don't like to keep secrets. They think they do, but then they blurb it out. Then they tell their managers that they're leaving before they should. I have done an episode about this. I think it was my episode four. I will link below if it's not four. Make sure that you look at the links in the show notes. I'll add it below because this is really important and you have to protect yourself. And I have seen jobs not eventuate. Of course, when you're a career coach, you see everything. <laughs> and I try not to coach by exception, right? But I need to keep my clients safe and make sure that they're not resigning before they should. So yes, no, you don't need to be polite. You need to be firm and say, well, I'm 
very happy that you came for me to start working with you. I will resign as soon as I review and sign your contract. So please send it to me as soon as possible. What you can tell your future employer is, you know, how many weeks do you need before you can start? What is the time that you need? And maybe negotiate that with them, make them understand. And yeah, and then make sure that you get a contract in hand for sure. <laughs> So the last question that we have today, we, we have another set of questions and I'll do another episode with the other questions. But the last one for this episode is what if you have received a good offer and it's the best one you've received in years, but it's not your dream job and your dream job might be around the corner. So here's the thing. If you've been following me, you know that I never, ever ever use the word dream job because I'm wise enough and experienced enough of a coach to know that there is no such thing. So if you still think there's a dream job out there, let me tell you, dream jobs don't exist. Goals and intentional career planning and job searching is really important but every job will have its challenges, its difficulties, its, you know, great moments and terrible moments. Even, you know, the best of jobs will always have something that will keep you awake at night and you can even burn out from the best possible jobs in the world. So I don't use that word and I don't believe that it exists. However, I can understand that you have received a good offer from a job that's so-and-so, but that you know that there are better jobs out there. I guess the answer that I have given before about not being in survival mode all the time, especially if you don't want to be, is what's important. Sometimes I find that I have a client, for example, I can't think of anybody in particular, but it has happened many times. I have clients that have a job, they're looking for another job, and they will take whatever job comes their way because of that survival mode, that need to always belong to an organization. When in fact, you don't. I mean, you are in a privileged position where you don't have to move unless there's something awful happening, which, you know, most of the time there isn't. And you can wait it out. You can wait for the right role. So, for example, applying for a role that's paying less than the one that you have now, applying for a role that has less seniority. Usually, I never recommend that. I think when you're applying for another job, there's so much stress involved in that process. My role as a coach is just to smooth that stress and make it as easy and simple as possible for you. But it's still stressful. Starting another job is also stressful. As good as the other job may be, it's always, you know, a steep learning curve. So this next job needs to be 30% better than the one you have now. Okay, I'm not, not saying just 30% more salary. No, it's just better in many respects. It could be flexibility. It could be a better industry or a better company with better culture, plus, you know, a salary upgrade and some bonus or whatever. You have to make sure that it pays off the trouble of you moving out. So consider that and remember that you can make a dream career 
out of the career that you're building for yourself. And that will be made of some great jobs, some so-and-so jobs, some jobs you need to have just so you can access all the jobs. And that strategic and intentional career planning and progression is what I love doing with clients. All right, I'm going to stop here because otherwise it's going to be too long and I'm going to record another episode with the other questions. I hope that you have enjoyed this. I hope that you have been inspired and it has motivated you to send me questions. You can always send me questions. If you haven't yet subscribed to my newsletter, there will be a link to it in the episode show notes, or you can go to renatabernardi.com. That's R-E-N-A-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-R-D-E.com. Subscribe. And then whenever you get an email from you, just reply back with your question and I will add it to a next episode. Bye for now.